All right, this show is sponsored by NatureBox. NatureBox ships tasty and guilt-free snacks right to your door. With over 100 flavors to choose from, like Asiago and Cheddar Cheese Chips, Pistachio Power Clusters, and Big Island Pineapple. You'll never get bored of snacking again. Try NatureBox for free by going to naturebox.com forward slash badchristian. That's naturebox.com forward slash badchristian. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. What's up, peons? This is Matt Carter in the house. Welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast. We've got an excellent episode today. Shane Claiborne is our guest, and he's tremendous. I think you're going to like it. All right, here's the business stuff. Today. I'm in a hurry, in case you can't tell. I'm, out. I'm headed out to watch Furious 7 at the theater. I binge-watched on Blu-ray all the Fast and the Furious things this weekend with my wife, and we're going to see the new one in the theater, so i got to go. So let me tell you the stuff i got to tell you, and we'll move on. BC Pod Live. We're going to be in Florida on April 29th and 30th and May 1st, and that's in Jacksonville, Orlando, and Tampa. And you can go to our website, www.badchristian.com forward slash BC Pod Live for the details on that. Extra special show in Tampa. You'll hear more about that later in the show and see it on our site. Now, most of the tickets are gone for these shows, so get them really quickly. Also, Abandoned Kansas pre-orders up, and they have a new song on their website and podcast called DeadSpacePodcast.com. Go check that out. Go listen to the episode. It's very cool. Good podcast. Great band. New music to hear. You'll love it. All right. And the most exciting thing is actually two things. We have two things to give away this week that are amazing. Number one, King's Kaleidoscope has a new EP called Live in Focus. So go to badchristian.com forward slash live in focus and you can see the final video of their series and you can download this EP for free. It's a live recording. It's amazing. It's my favorite thing that they do is live recordings and we're so proud to be able to give it to you away for free. Additionally, our new ebook, Bad Christian Tackles the Lighter Topics, is now available for free. This is a collection of, of writings that Toby and Joey and I have done, uh, put together in an ebook. It's great. I think you're going to really like it. And again, it's free. So go for that one. Just go to badchristian.com forward slash lighter topics. You can find out more about that, download it, share it, do it, do what you got to do. Now, when I say these things are free, I mean it. Download them for free. It does cost us some money to do it, but if you want to join the BC Club, that funds this. If you want to just pay something, a dollar, ten dollars, whatever it is for this material, for the King's Kaleidoscope, for the book, please do it. We greatly appreciate it. And if not, we love giving it away for free, just like this podcast. <laughs> Fried chicken got me like what? What? Fried chicken got me like what? What? Joey, drop that bass. Yo, KFC and churches and Popeye. This the fried chicken bag, Christian boy kiss. Okay, very good, very good. I don't see how you could possibly leave out Bojangles on that, but welcome to the Bad Christian Podcast, everybody. Matt, Toby, and Joey, back to our normal routine. I'm back in Seattle in my closet, and they're back in Charleston in some the weird. The irony church room. is that we're eating Publix fried chicken. We have been interviewing people for the last three hours and we knew that we needed recorded this too and so the problem is i mean okay i love fried chicken i'm i i cannot be 
without I, it. I, I can, you can't. I be cannot, without I can't it. be without. Welcome to the Fried Chicken Podcast. Let's let's do it. Let's let me, let me give y'all a visual right now. Toby is sitting in my office. There is chicken skin all over the floor. Crispy's all over his shirt, all over his beard, and it's just like there's there's no the shame I, in your game. I grew I grew up on fried chicken. It's like my grandma's go to. I, yeah, I mean, and I'm talking on the bone. I'm not talking fingers. <laughs> I'm not talking about that bush. Um, I'm I'm being serious. I love fried chicken so much, and so. You, I said, Matt and I had to do something, record some stuff, and you said, I'll go run and get some food. And you were, you were talking about healthy options. You said, like, I mean, I'll go to Subway and get, like, a nice sandwich no, I or said something. Arby's. That's not healthy. Well, I thought, I was hoping. But, yeah, but I said, hey, go, if you go to go Arby's, along just with give it, me. Joey. He's making a point. <laughs> Close proximity. And I said, cheap. give me a, just a sh- uh, something small. I'll eat a small amount. You come back with a bucket of fried chicken <laughs> and chips. And what am I supposed to do? I'm starving. Look at me. That's I'm barely, I'm going to waste away. Right. And you bring fried <laughs> chicken on, to me? This is such bullshit. First of all, it is a small carton of chicken and it's sweet potato fries. A small carton. Oh, it's sweet there, potato fries. And that's, that's a bucket. There There's 140 grams and 40 of those things. So how much is it in your third piece of chicken you're eating? Right I'm not even eating the skin. Well, that, okay. that's the thing. You can't help it when somebody does an unhealthy thing in front of you. So you could, I can easily go and say, all right, we're going to go. I'm going to eat when I get home. Bridget says, well, I'm going to go through the McDonald's drive-thru. But by the time that happens, and then she's going to get fries and a Coke then, and a burger, then there's no way I can't at that point. So what the other person does in front of you is just not fair. You're already hungry. I mean, you it's know I'm, I'm, I like, I've been I've been super strict. I've been on a diet, no alcohol. Been no, And by diet, I, I'm – I started a new thing where I'm eating anything. There's not like a specific thing that I mean, we're probably eating more paleo style, but I, you know, I'll still have a little bit of ice cream, whatever, but I've really been just aware of my portions and asking myself, should I, do you really want this? Don't eat it. If you're not really hungry, don't, you know, don't go back for seconds or whatever. And then you bring a bucket of fried chicken, my number one weakness. I mean, you are, I mean, my pastor, (laughs) my best friend, and you did this and then you freak out. I mean, you caused me to sin. Yeah. You, you, know, you are made me stumble by your actions. So eating just a little bit of fried chicken is a sin for you or overeating? You're not, you haven't overeaten yet. You're not yet, to? but I, I mean, two pieces of fried chicken is a bad. I mean, the second one's really small. I got the two smallest pieces, but it, it, nobody, it, nobody in their right mind thinks fried chicken is like going to help you win the Olympics. Bottom line is you, I, you, I was thinking about this the other day, you need an X3 watch for food that basically when your credit card scans at like KFC or churches or Publix or Bojangles, we get that scan and we say, and y'all see, did it. you get fried chicken? <laughs> That's called my wife. That actually does happen. And she says, oh, you went <laughs> to KFC today. <laughs> oh, I see you went to KFC. That's how my wife is. Man. All right. Well, I, I'm, I'm still getting y'all's, been... uh, you know, update reports. See Joey's X3 watch report. Thanks for bringing that up, Joey. X3 watch is uh, the sponsor of this podcast. Hope you enjoyed. We had Craig and Jeanette on the show uh, Thursday. So if you didn't catch that one, go back and listen to it. Um, X3 Watch is a software that Toby and Joey and I use to, to monitor each other's uh, internet viewing habits, basically. So we think porn is detrimental. We think it's bad. Uh, it's something we have to actively try to avoid and sometimes fail. So this, this software helps us monitor and block stuff and report to each other the kinds of things that we're looking at. And if anything illicit or off the list pops up, then, then, then we know. And uh, we found that to be very helpful just in the fact that just the other people knowing about it uh, 
causes you kind of not to do it. So it's not a one-stop shop to save your heart and make you pure, but it is very effective of starving out uh, stuff, keeping filtering out stuff from, be, from you know, entering your browsing life. And uh, like we said on the show the other day, Toby, you had a b- pretty good slogan for it. What is your slogan? The new thing we're going to have to turn on, put on billboards and stuff. How's if it your go? penis becomes a boner, don't be a loner. Right on. <laughs> so if your penis becomes a boner, don't be a loner. So if you would like to be accountable, and seriously, most of our listeners, that they've been hearing this for a long time, and a lot of you guys have already gotten the software. We highly recommend it. We use it. It's x3watch.com forward slash bad Christian. Go get it. Go be accountable. If your penis becomes a boner, don't be a loner. So... Thank you. All right, so what else is going on? If you're feeling kind of horny, don't be a... Don't be what? Don't watch porn, B. Porny. <laughs> Just hey, because so, you're horny, you don't need to porny. Yeah. Right. So listen, guys, I, um, I've really been thinking through how I can be better at this podcast and not cause you guys grief and everything. Finish so chewing th- your food is one way to be better at it. Shut up, Matt. That so, is true. Stop. You're just I mean, shoveling like, chicken into your face. And that so has nothing to do with it. podcasts. That's There's a speaking. river of oil this, and grease is, pouring is, out of your this mouth. This is why I hate you sometimes, Ty. You're pointing at me right now. This chicken has you fired up. This is I, what, this, I've never seen you this joyful. <laughs> because everything you're saying about me is actually you. Oh, really? But Look at the, the mirror. Person, a I'm reputation. with the I've man the in the mirror. All right, so I thought... Hey, I've got some funnies, but a lot of times when I do funnies, they're not funny. So I'm just going to do rapid fire. <laughs> okay, I like it. At least we all get right, them so over. First with. of all, so all you right. got yeah. the rapid fire stories that don't connect anything or mean yeah. anything, and maybe aren't that exactly. funny. Anyway. Rapid fire, twenty seven year old stories. Go, go. But, <laughs> but, but here you go. It is y'all's responsibility to at least take one of these and do something with it. You got it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> all right. So first one is. Um, I tell everybody my youngest son's an animal, and everybody says that's mean and harsh. You shouldn't say that. He's your son. He went up to my older son and put his nose in his butt and sniffed a lot. <laughs> that's an animal. That is There's an no animal. way of getting around yeah, that. That is true. I've, all right, all right. I have an animal as well. All right. Secondly, uh, Toby, you've always accused me of having a horrible body that God smothered me with. <laughs> I go to the chiropractor now twice a week because I reach my deductible, so I'm going to get my shoulder fixed. The last oh time I was there, shoulder and back is out <laughs> now. It's not out. It's always been today at our tight. staff meeting. You didn't get up because you had ice on it. Yeah, that's and you've been going twice a week to a chiropractor. This is, and you're this talking is, about the. You asked your chiropractor, "Is there hope that it'll be fixed in six months?" <laughs> yes, is there hope for my back? No, but listen. Listen, this has been a, a reoccurring problem for the last eight years. It's simply a tight muscle, but it causes a lot of pain. So now I'm like, man, I get to. But anyway, last week, both the massage therapist and the chiropractor <laughs> made a comment like, wow, your back is just so angry. Like They said like these uber unbelievable statements like they just had never seen something so like, bad. Like people that professionally work on backs think you're, that God smokes you with a bad back. Exactly. They didn't want to say that. Well, this is good, right, so Joey. This not I, least. I, I, you said, okay, I'll let you do the last rapid fire, but this that was a good one. We, there's plenty of places right. to go with that. Alright, so last but not least, I've been waiting for this one. <laughs> I did a sunrise beach service and I was saying a quick clip of the Easter story, and I promise you, some of our listeners are going to say, he just made this up for a story. I promise you, when I got to Peter, I said, pizza. <laughs> 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 
and I was thinking to myself, what I seriously had to say, I had to say, I don't know where that came from. And I thought, if there were just 15 bad, bad Christian listeners, yeah. service over. Yeah. They wouldn't everybody, have been able to handle it. They would have been rolling falling on that. the ground. What Did was you have to stop and I just, or just keep going. I mean, it was basically, and pizza ran to the. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing: and pizza denied him for the third. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I could attribute it to was that I I had been in a plane for like 25 hours, but I wasn't thinking about pizza. It was morning. I mean, is then I was just like, am I cursed for being on this podcast? Oh. <laughs> That was too funny. <laughs> okay, so if I wanted to go back to the second thing, I think the set two and three there were both good. No, story number one could have been good if you had maybe even a whole other place to take it or question to pose it, but in itself, maybe a little bit dead, Indy, but I appreciate it nonetheless. Sniffing the butt's funny. Um, and on the third story, we do have a friend named Peter, and we always call him Pizza. He used to work for us. So that's not that far off, but that is a very good one. I wish we had some video. There's not video of that service anywhere, is there? Oh, there probably is. Somebody might have taken. You better want to check it's that out. Great. I mean, what what's crazy is I I mean it it went well even after the pizza comment. It was a moving service. That's great. So as far as your body failing and stuff like that, always a great topic. I would like to note that you're you seem mentally really keyed up right now and happy. So I, it's always pleasant to me when we start rolling on the podcast and Joe Fun Joey is here instead of Depresso Joey. <laughs> so even Joey. if your bat your back is bad, I'm glad your mind seems to be doing well or maybe it's just fried chicken, I don't know. Well that that's the thing is the uh, massage therapist yesterday <laughs> I don't know if I like where this is okay, going. Okay, so hang on. Just to be clear, we have a you do have now a therapist. You have a massage therapist, a chiropractor, <laughs> a psychiatrist, and then I'm sure a regular doctor too. So I've at least five people that you see yeah, regularly. I've got a urologist. And a urologist. Right. What about your skin condition? Don't you go to a doctor no, for that? No, a dermatologist? Nope. Okay. No. Uh, but the massage therapist was actually, she was very excited because- You have a I mean, team of doctors yeah, working yeah, on a your team. body every week. And you know what's crazy is Priscilla has been encouraging me to do this for years. She's just like, we've got to put your help first. We've got to put your help first. Like, I don't like when your back is sore. I don't like when you have headaches. I don't, you know, and you're depressed and all that she stuff. She has to always say constantly, I don't like something because you have so much stuff wrong with you. But anyway, the massage therapist yesterday, I mean, she was actually delighted. She was like, oh, my gosh, your um, your, your tight muscle is is breaking up. And I was like, oh, great. I was like, what does that mean? She's just like, well, basically, it's, it's typically super inflamed, and it's all... <laughs> <laughs> the way you're holding your hand does not look like you're pointing to a tight muscle. Well, or what? It, it was all condensed in like a one irritable spot. She said that, I mean, she was pushing so hard on it. She said now it's just um, the irritation is there, but it's not throbbing. It's not like intense. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, man, I jogged. I jogged this morning for about five miles. And usually after being on my feet for that long and pounding um, you know, my feet on the concrete, my yeah. back pays for it. I've been pretty good today, and it's because she's been telling me to put ice on it, too. See, you made me seem like I'm this broken-down person for having ice this morning, but I had the ice because I'm trying to fix my back. Yeah, you're right. Your team of doctors is working miracles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me let me give a, a quick couple of minutes on my thoughts on the Cairo and those other stuff. Now, I won't go super hard line on them. I don't have any data, and this is not a science segment. However, I would like to point out that chiropractors' overall wellness – uh, massage therapists, they do follow what I 
find to be a little bit of a curious pattern, I would suggest. And I've been to them. My wife likes to go to the Cairo. And I say, as long as you feel better and it's covered by insurance, I suppose I'll allow it. But I'm quite skeptical of the, of the field, I'd have to admit. And mainly because what their main thing that they do is tell you, show you everything about just what's wrong with you. And then from that, you get, you give them, you grant them authority or uh, expertise. You go, oh, well, he's the expert. Look, he pointed out how my shoulder droops, or I must have been in a car accident once, or whatever. Yeah. So they really are good at pointing to and finding that there are things wrong with your body. But when when you look back to them for so what 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 is wrong and what do we do about it? Essentially, they're like, I don't know. They, they're, they're, your guess is as good as mine. They'll say you need to stretch. It's all wellness. This spinal adjustment might help. Um, it doesn't get very specific, and it's not very empirical as far as the actual stuff they're doing and how it works out. Uh, but are you sure? That, it might make you feel bullshit right now. I'm not saying it's total bullshit. I'm saying that it's it's easy to say, oh, you know what? This is tight. What's well, a lot better now? Don't you feel like it's better? It's, oh, there's no. Come on, t- it's Matt. not well, like then you're t- saying you're saying one of your closest friends is a moron. No, I'm not. I'm saying my wife and one of my closest friends are morons. <laughs> I've been dealing with this this tightness, and it's not tight anymore. No, Dude, massage the, is good. The pressure. The massage pre- is yeah. good. Ice and, is and good. I, in all fairness, I will say this. I told Priscilla yesterday. I said I'm not convinced completely about. Um, what what do you call the science? Is it chiropractor? Chiropractor? What what do you call it? You, the doctor's a chiropractor. What do you call the a proctologist? <laughs> what what do you call this? What do you call it? A chiroproctologist. Um, I don't know what you call. I'm what going they call through the chiropractic. You know, uh, whatever. Kairos moment. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not convinced of the effectiveness of that. I think so, but the just therapy, just pay attention no to the difference in no that and a medical doctor and how vague most of the language is. That's all I'm saying. There's something. Well, I mean, medical it's, it's doctor, relatively who, who vague. Would, who would I go to for a tightness of muscle? Well, I mean, I, don't know. So I, I do. I, I have to agree medicine? with you. I, I don't know. Like I went to, I had a bad, I cracked my neck one time and it was pretty bad. And I went to a chiropractor and I just felt like I don't feel that much better. And I, it just kind of felt like he just cracked my neck. Right. Right. But I saw for sure firsthand, uh, so I, I worked at an antiques dealership one time, antique mall. And uh, one of the ladies' husbands, um, could barely walk and he started getting massages every week and by the time i left which was you know over a course of probably six months he was able to start walking again mm-hmm. and moving no, again massages more freely, aren't so. invalid i I'm, yeah. I'm down with massages because they if nothing else just have the therapeutic i, mean, I, I think chiropr- there has to be some you matt you're not saying that it's completely I'm not mental, saying are you? it's a scam but no. some chiropractors and some of the stuff they do almost do border into that territory for me i'm not saying that it can't be helpful i'm not saying it's what junk. do other doctors think about chiropractors it's, it's ambiguous i mean you'll find you'll find that what i'm saying is pretty i'm not claiming i'm not disproving anything i'm just saying i pay attention to and notice when somebody's telling me vague things and being suggestive data backed up stuff you don't really that's not the case for everything yeah. else that is clear with data in the world. You I, don't I think have there has to, to there is some way. truth in it. And I don't think that you get in the chiro, the chiropractic. But we don't know how to say chiropractic, chiro, whatever it is. But I don't imagine. think they are shysters, and I believe they believe it. And there's probably some right. type of medical information data to back it up. But yeah, I just I, for me, I felt like the times I've gotten a massage that was a good massage, like the person really, because I'm a bigger guy, really hit my shoulders or neck or something hard. It, I I definitely was like, whoa, that was awesome. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what I've done since I saw y'all last, I had a really good time. I went to the classic crime uh, kickoff first show here in oh, Seattle sweet. at the it was at the Nectar Lounge the other night. And I'll tell you what was so cool about it is uh, I know you I know y'all are in Charleston, and I'm not trying to move everything out here. But for one night, we had a big giant amount of the Bad Christian team at the same place. So Matt oh, McDonald's sweet. there with his there. band. Um, Reva is there who does our runs our music with Matt McDonald. Simon who does a bunch of our stuff came down from Bellingham. Um, Bunda was tour managing the classic crime. So oh, that's really cool, man. Who's our podcast producer here? And uh, Dan Coke from Sherwood came and showed up too. So just to hang out at the show. So we had a really big uh, a, a group of our team there. So it was really fun. Then we're backstage, which I just can't believe how. Uh, just magnetic it is. As soon as I get to the club, I'm like, I got to get out of here. Where this music is playing, get backstage and just sit down, drink a beer and cut up. I mean, unbelievable. So we get back there. Sure enough, here comes Bundes 20 minutes before Classic Crime goes on stage, brings the stereo in and then announces we're playing Thunderstruck for everybody, <laughs> which is the, you know, the drinking game. We've talked about that before where you go around and everybody has to drink from a beer every time. Yeah. They say Thunder in Thunder. the ACDC song Thunderstruck. And so... You know, you always wonder who it is that's going to get the, the big zinger there. And sure enough, it's our extremely quiet, quaint, nicest person it, that doesn't know hardly anybody else in the room. The first big, long chugathon was Reva. Reva? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did she and do she it? Did, did she, she hate did so it? Good. No, she did so good. I was so happy. She, she did a great job. But it was, it was a great time. It was really fun and really cool to see all of our... Uh, you know, all of our team out here. So that's cool. I'm sad I missed it. How, how was the oh, show? They yeah. they put on a hell of a show. Yeah, and I, I hustled to get there early because Hearts Like Lions was playing. Who um, this isn't a sponsorship or whatever, but that band is incredible. They're good. We did a, a, a ad spot for them. They sound. You remember they sound like that old school yeah. emo kind of sound or whatever. Yeah. Now here's what's insane about this. What what what's their name again? Hearts, Hearts like, like Lions. Lions. Okay. Yeah, you listen to yeah, it. I, don't I actually have that album. Okay, yeah. so get this. Those kids, one of them is 17, and the, the oldest Good one's like Lord. 22, and they sound exactly like the bands that we were listening to before we did what we did. So they sound like they would be older than us, and, um, you know, they just totally this clean guitar that's, it's just exactly emo stuff from the era right before us is what it sounds identical to. Think, think about it. That would be like when we were in college bands that played like Pink Floyd and stuff like that. I mean... Like right, but here's, what, here's the deal. So Dan Koch and I are like, yeah, that was the kind of music we were listening to when we decided to do Sherwood and Emory and stuff like that. So you guys, do y'all, I mean, y'all like listen to like American football? No, I never heard of them. Uh, Mineral? No, nope, never listened to them. Uh, you know, we just named every band we could think of. They sound exactly like and They said, don't know them, never listened to them, never heard of them. That's for crazy. Every single band that we named. So I was like, well, what could you possibly... Sh-? He said, I like Taking Back Sunday. Oh is, that, is that it? I was like, whoa. Because, you, I mean, you, your sound clearly predates Taking Back Sunday. It, well, there's it, no it, other explanation other than the Holy Spirit is bringing back an emo revival. Yeah. I mean, the Holy Spirit should bring. There is hey, an emo what, revival, what? right? I mean, it yeah, is there coming is. back. Oh, yeah. I mean, people, it's really catching on. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's some really but Now, really Matt, were people stuff. into their, them? Yeah, like they're, they're really good. I mean, I expect them to do well. They're from Long Beach. They're good, but, you know. Hey, Matt, do you know there's a band uh, called You Blew It? Um, really good emo band, like old school stuff that we – and. They do the whole um, Pinkerton cover <laughs> from start to finish. They only oh, really? the show. That's awesome. It's pretty cool. Um, hey, what what is the deal with uh, We Are the City? That band is incredible. Oh, yeah, do you know, I mean, too. do you know those guys? Are they from no, Seattle? Gosh, that album! It's the first album in a while where I just cannot stop listening. It's wow, just it's unbelievable. Stuff, yeah. 
And we have one of their songs on uh, our compilation. On the lineup, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think the lineup compilation, if you don't have it, you should get it. I, I, I love that. I, I revisit that all the time. Yeah. Like, what do y'all like want to do that. for the next lineup? We're going to do another one. What do y'all think would be a good uh, theme? Like, it'd be, you know, volume two. So it could be sad well, you know, songs or party songs or yeah. electronic music or whatever. We should put a theme to it. But if anybody else... Uh, out there, put a hashtag on it and say uh, the lineup and tell us what, what we should make the theme of the lineup part, volume two. But what do y'all think? Any ideas? Yeah, Reva and I were actually emailing back and forth today, and I, I thought it'd be cool. And I think the idea started with you guys, maybe you, Matt, or, or Reva. But I thought, what about um, sad songs to make you happy in the summer? Yeah. Like, basically. Because that's, that's what I think about with uh, that band, We Are the City, is it, it's kind of sad but happy stuff. That's yep. some of my favorite music. Remember Silver Scooter? Yeah. It's just kind of like a sad but poppy, happy. Nice. Yeah, that's that's some of my favorite. Kind of music. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of bands like that. Even that, that's one of my favorite bands, like Queen. I even think like right. the lyrics are sad, but the music's really poppy. For how sure. about uh, electronic music? That'd be interesting. That's what McDonald said would be cool if it was just all had an electronic theme to it. So I mean, since it's summer, how about just giant country jams? Yeah, all country. Just massive country jam. How many how many country rock bands are listening to us? Are there indie country bands? Oh you yeah, know, yeah. Less but than, I mean, less but than it one. sounds like Tim McGraw though. Like it, I think you you'd have to consider Sturgill Simpson, even uh, yeah. even though he's yeah. huge. But that's got to be more oh. of an indie approach. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's unbelievable. Yeah, that's but I mean, that, he doesn't sound like what's on the radio though. That's what I'm saying. You just uh, oh, you're th- yeah. indie stuff that sounds like the radio. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's crazy is he sounds like stuff that was on the radio in 1970. Yeah, he does. yeah. But are there country bands that are just trying to DIY it, but they sound like Garth Brooks? I don't know. I don't think so. Let's do some research. I'm, I'm going to do that. That's going to be our next so, lineup. So when you're thinking country music, are you thinking bands like um, uh, super heavy stuff doing country songs or country bands? Like, is there enough country bands that listen to us? Or are you thinking a band I was like, just making a joke. I think you're taking it too serious. <laughs> yes. oh, I, I, I realized also idea. that the hashtag that said put hashtag on the lineup of what style you want the co- the compilation to be. I, I realize now that's just going to be rife with jokes. So that'll be, oh, a, yeah. that'll be a useless hashtag. But if you have a serious suggestion, you know, please. So also, but it, but it is coming soon. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we'll start working on that. But we had a great yeah, time. We, all the all the business stuff's going good. We're having a, a great time. Thank you for everybody supporting us as well as yeah, you do. For um, sure. One exciting thing that I guess we're announcing might already be announced. I don't really know, and I don't even have all the details on it but i wanted to talk about this on here just so everybody could totally get it in their brain um our living room show in tampa it looks like something very cool has happened and it now yep. it coincides with literally the same day same town as a uh under oaths movie uh preview event that's going to be at the state theater so as soon oh, as they yeah. saw that we were going to be in town they called yep. us and said well we got to combine these two events clearly so we were like Definitely. So yeah, I don't know a all the details. Called Tired Violence. Yeah. And it's premiering that night, right? Yeah, it's a sneak premiere. or so, they're, they're announcing it, so I know we're, some of the details are vague here, but we're going to combine our living room show with that. So I don't know exactly know how the tickets will work. If you already bought tickets, if it transfers or we'll refund you or we get you in there free or whatever it is, we'll have that figured out. I'll say that in the intro to this episode, but that's going to be super fun. So we're going to get up there on stage, uh, do an episode with two or three members of Under Oath at least in front of 300 people after we watch the film do Q&A and do all that stuff so that's going to that's, that's gonna be killer so that's uh, the 30th of April on a I don't even know what night it is but April 30th in Tampa so if you already had a ticket to our living room That'd show be a Friday night actually I hope I you I hope night. you like we uh, think this is a cool yeah, upgrade right. that we get to do this event as opposed to simply a living room podcast yeah yeah definitely 
What's crazy is I think that would make all of our venues non-living room. Oh, really? Um, maybe there's one living room, but uh, our old friend Mark Solomon got us hooked up in Orlando. Uh, I think it's like a, an art gallery of some sort. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that, that will be our Is Mark going to be on the show? Blowing up. What's that? Is Mark going to be a guest and be on the show then? Yes. We're actually spending the night at his house that night. Excellent. So that? Mark Solomon from... Uh, Stave Saker and what was the other band? The other band? The other band he was in before. Oh, Stave, I'm sorry. Stave Saker, Crucified, ne- Neon Horse. Yep. Um, but there's one that he doesn't like to talk about, so I won't out of respect. But uh, yeah, it's going to be fine. I'm looking, looking forward to it. And uh, it's brother, crazy because... Uh, the, you know what's crazy is my brother's going to be at that same one, so we should, try, we should try something we've never done before, and that's at a live show, have two people sitting there at the same time, so, and so that would be like five people talking about I think that'd be fun. I think threes are often my, way too many, but okay. <laughs> hey, real quickly, guys, I wanted to, before we bring on our guest, because he might even have some stuff to say about this as well, but... Uh, as you know, Matt, we're here in Charleston. I guess it, the, the news has made it all the way up oh, there. Oh, yeah, right? I meant to ask oh, you all about yeah. that. I meant to start with oh, a wisecrack yeah. about it. Would, would you all yeah. have tolerated that if I could have started the show with a joke on it? Would that have gone a over joke? Well? It might be too soon for that. I was yeah, going to just make soon. you make fun of you all for, I don't know, I didn't really have anything. But, but for I us wanted being to make white fun or of something it. in the South. Yeah. Um, I, so Walter Scott was shot here uh, by a white police officer. Um, and everybody hearing my voice probably already knows all the details. And there was video of it, which is just awful to watch. It's just a, a man running pretty slowly. Yeah, yeah. Away I thought that was just, true too. It was super slow. Maybe that. Yeah, would have I just been thought that, that was the the most shocking thing to me that the cop didn't try to go get him or just let him go or whatever. Like the, all the video, it's it's bad. And honestly, it's, it's been pretty amazing overall that the people haven't you know gone crazy and rioted or anything and and really tried to do peaceful vigils and and really try to hope for change and stuff like that but i i i I, here's where i struggle i think that this is awful and a tragedy and terrible and i don't know how the parents of walter are gonna keep going you know what i mean like like that's just senseless like your son was shot in the back eight times by a police officer that's just you don't i mean i i can't i mean losing your child no matter what but by a, a person who's senseless to serve and protect our community and even you know what i mean even do the right thing and and i even feel bad for the the cops family too and, and i do think i don't think i i hope my hope is that the cop wasn't just intentionally yeah, just a murderer that he thought on some sick level that he was doing the right thing but anyway here's what worries me are we such a society and, and i'm going to speak to christians right now too mostly are we such a society that we just love being manipulated a little bit like i question do people care as much as they're saying because i mean all over facebook are in tears so so sad devastated by this this you know uh i'm going to a candlelight vigil i'm going to this i'm going to that it's so senseless and and you know really this has become a huge race issue as well um especially with all the other you know Ferguson, and then the the thing that happened in New York as well. I mean, and obviously tons of instances like this happen and don't get that reported. Yeah. So there's reasons for this, but I'm scared that it doesn't. It, it <clears throat> tricks everybody to make everybody just turn everything into an event. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Because like there was there was a giant event our church did, and on the way there, people were saying how there there are people on the side of the road selling T-shirts. 
that say like Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter, or which is like, necessarily our church. I would no, no, no. I would that's not our church. No, no, no. That wasn't I mean. our church selling. Our church was not selling anything. <laughs> but our church was, was our, the church's goal was for community. But even even our church made it somewhat of an event. Yeah, I didn't understand that. And so I, I don't. It's it's scary to me. Like I feel like we're almost being manipulated to think this is a huge ordeal, and then everybody, you know, just like everything else, it goes away in two weeks, and you won't talk about it. Right. Like six months from now, a lot of people might not remember the name Walter Scott. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I mean, I, I believe a lot of people in his community will obviously, and this is huge uh, for his community, and and maybe even for the black community in general. And it is huge for the white community. That's what I'm saying. I think this is something that is huge, but I hate that I feel like we get manipulated and then. Like six weeks from now, will we still be doing candlelight vigils together? Will we yeah. still like? I mean, we could end this. I really do believe, uh, you know, no matter what color you are, we could all come together on this issue and stop it. We no, could. Go, we can't. I think we could stop racism. Not racism, but you could stop cops, cops, cops killing people. Yeah, pretty. That I mean, out. that'd be awesome. Uh, start wearing a body camera. Start. Yeah. I mean, we just let's give some money towards it. Yeah. Like everybody chip in. Do I mean, I don't know. I just don't like it that everybody's so it, it's the same thing. This happened to me and this is what bothers me. I remember in school when there was a couple people that weren't popular and like they died or their sister died and then everybody was devastated and they were just, oh man, I love this guy so much. I can't believe his sister died. Everybody's getting out of school and making this big. And I was like, you didn't give a shit about this guy yesterday. Yeah. And now you're making it about you. That's what I don't want. Yeah, that's, a that's, senseless that's, tragedy happened. Now you're onto it. That's, that's the ticket right there is now everybody's reaction posted it it becomes about that's no matter what the reaction that you post is probably or the thing you add to your feed or whatever on any side there is man it really is more about what how you come down on it and how you're viewed more for the most part i feel that much more than i feel like this person is adding words or saying something in order to help something that's not really yeah. what i feel based right. on anybody's post it's either i'm on the right team or I'm pushing back on that, or I want to yeah. seem like I'm poignant for this reason. Like that's that's the tone I get for almost everybody's reactions, basically. Yeah. So hey, listen to what Toby said last night. I thought it was so cool. We um, we were doing our gathering over some beer and talking over discussions with all sorts of people. Oh, that sounds wonderfully vague. It was just great. <laughs> he did, he did. Well, Toby likes to call it beer and theology. Yeah, but no, you know, I didn't over call beer that. Joey, with Joey called it beer and theology. I want to call it just beer. And in- yeah, so anyway. Yeah, I'm not even drinking beer right now, anyway, but I still want to call it beer. Yeah, listen to what Toby said. It, um, I, no, actually, I think I said it as a joke, and then Toby was like, I think it'd be the greatest thing in the world. I was like, <laughs> what, what if we did a uh, vigil for Walter Scott six months from now? Do you know how crazy people would think we are? They'd be like, "What? What are you doing?" Oh, well, Walter Scott, you know the guy that got shot by a cop six six uh, months ago. Yeah, we're doing a vigil for him. <laughs> I mean, why why wouldn't we do that? That's what I'm saying. Like, can't we do more? Like, it can't just be one time event. That's what bothers. Why me. Why don't you do one for Susan Smith's kids when you're talking about South Carolina's tragedies? <laughs> you're right. That's what I'm saying. Everybody made it like this huge ordeal, and then uh, you just kind of forget. Or, I mean, a lot of people still remember that, obviously. But my point is, I just I don't want to make it about us. Something bad happened. Let's 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 make it about that. Don't you know what I mean? When something bad happens to somebody else, don't talk about uh, you as much or your reaction to it or all this stuff. I mean, let's let's be serious. Let's pray. Let's 
really do change. Let, 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 we can really change, but we're just, that's what scares me. I don't think that's really what it's about. But don't you think I think we're getting manipulated a little bit to think that's what it's about, but then you just don't. Don't you think there are some people, though, that feel things differently than you and they're of expressing course. it and maybe it's even therapeutic for them? Yes, but, but I'm saying as the church and as Christians, it's our responsibility to be a part of the, the, the change and the help to... Uh, Issues yeah. that involve humans. I mean, you know, what I mean, like this is a human issue of people dying from police gunshots. Yeah, that we can. That that's that. I mean, somebody getting shot is a very simple idea of hey, don't do that. So you know how, what's how, crazy? We start there. That will. This is one of those things where I can see the the trend here, and it happened once, and it happened twice, and it's been caught on camera two, three times, whatever it is now. And people are like, oh, it's just that, it's just that, or this is that, or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm saying you'll continue to see this until there won't be naysayers eventually on this. Eventually, everybody's gonna be like, yeah, this we had, we have, or had this problem pretty bad at that time. Like yeah, it'll, eventually, exactly that's right. just where everybody will be. Right now, there's still a bunch of people like, well, you know, well, it could have been, or he shouldn't know. All that stuff's that's where people. Are. It's kind of an ignorant point of view. Probably, you probably will. When you look back, you'll go, oh yeah, that, yeah. After a few more, now that we knew to look and what to say and how to, because I mean, look at the response of the North Charleston this time. It's already different than it would have been if the same thing would have happened uh, two years ago. It wouldn't have been the same. Yeah. So it is a you know. It is shifting, so I, I'm optimistic that it is shifting. Though, I, I, I just I just want us to all think outside the box. Like, I, like seriously, like, um, you know, it, it, think about the parents and do they really want to hear that you're upset? Yeah. Or you're, you know, I mean, maybe they even do in a sense. I'm, I'm not saying take away people's emotions by it, and everybody's saddened by the death. I don't want to discredit that or discount that. I just don't want us to take the easy route of hey, something bad happened. It involves race. Let's throw a party or an event, and and then let it in there don't let it in there that might even be the doorway it might be even a good idea but we can't be manipulated and then just not care anymore because then then it's going to happen again because oh yeah now it's happened a bunch of times so it's still happening you know what i mean like it's not like it's it's going away so let's really do something about it i I really want to be challenged to do something about it not just sit on my heels and well in all fairness seacoast is buying i think uh five body cams for the north charleston police department yeah that's what i'm saying great that Man, I love hearing that. Yeah. And and that's what I'm saying. I don't I don't want to get rid of an event cuz events do cause people to meet each other and conversation to that's start and all that cool. stuff. very cool. You're but, saying that churches and other people are going to like voluntarily support by donating even if that's, you know, just a token or just you know It's already done. symbolic, but they're donating and buying uh people are buying body cameras and donating and that that's a thing. I, I think our That's our, a great I idea. Mean, you know, we've got a lot of uh tithers is what you would call them obviously at our church and so the money's there so it's just okay this is money that's used for outreach let's let's buy body cameras that's good um our guest here shane claiborne i mean he's very i mean we didn't discuss that before but let's see if we can get him to weigh in on the issue he's certainly sensitive to that kind of stuff what do y'all know about shane claiborne that we need to tell before we before he calls well, in here. Shane, I, probably a lot of people know him from uh, the book Irresistible Revolution. I think it came out in 06, 07. It was a huge book. It was one of those books like uh, Francis Chan's Crazy Love kind of followed suit. I'm not saying that's that's where he was influenced by, but that that sort of book where you're just like, oh, crap, we're dropping the balls, Christians. We're consumer-minded and all that sort of thing. But um, that seems to be one of his biggest books. But since then, I mean, he's just a major, major voice in the Christian church and um, 
I guess the only church, but is in a Christian. different, but in a different way. Like he's not, he doesn't have a, a church or a, he's not a mega pastor or whatever, right? Right. So right. I think he put. I don't know if he pushes back on it, but we'll we'll talk about it. But he's. I mean, people think that he is anti money or I don't, I don't, I don't really know. Yeah, I, think they, I think people think that, that he's about preaching a poverty gospel. Like you should give everything right. away and, oh. you know, in order to serve God more properly. But I, I don't, uh, we'll, we'll find out. We'll let him answer. Yeah, he hung out with mother Teresa. That's pretty cool. I think in high school, his name was Shane raw dog Claiborne. What they call him. That was his nickname. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll be right back with Shane Claiborne. All right, Toby, Joey, I got uh, some snacks sent to me from Nature Box. Did you guys oh, get yeah, yours? Oh, yeah, we did too, my uh, friend. Yeah. It's amazing. When I got home from Australia, we had the snacks here, and I'll just tell you the ones that are amazing is the, the ones I like the best are sriracha roasted cashews, so self-explanatory mm. there. They're nuts with sriracha. the hot, they're hot and spicy nuts that I use all the time. They're really good for my low-carb kind of diet when I'm not eating sugar. And the ones that Bridget and Georgia love are blueberry Greek yogurt pretzels and they're so profound um that georgia learned a bunch of new words like yogurt greek and pretzel just from having the <laughs> snacks so she went from asking for the same she goes ice cream ice cream ice cream all the time and now she says pretzel 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 and she's looking for the blueberry she says yogurt too all the time so she wants those pr- those exact snacks what she's begging for once we got her and of course the best part about it being that my wife doesn't go oh that's how it's bad stuff this good stuff so bridget's thrilled to give georgia the i was good actually snack. mad at my kids for eating mine like we got back from australia and and it was they had already gotten into it, yeah. and I was like, uh-uh. Well, I mean, it's, I got to be healthy. It's so it's <laughs> it's so good. And here's here's the scenario: you can order it now, get it sent to your door. They're very tasty. You got a snack, and there's no artificial flavors, no artificial flavors, no colors or sweeteners, uh, zero grams of trans fat, no high fructose corn syrup. I mean, this stuff no is No GMOs. Super... It's paleo friendly. I mean, what isn't it? I right. mean, it's everything you could possibly want to put and in your And here's body. the thing. If you go to the website now, there's a hundred different snacks to choose from. I mean, it's kind of like Christmas. You can go <laughs> look at a hundred different snacks and pick some free ones. So you go to naturebox.com forward slash bad Christian right now. It is a free trial. So you are ordering food for free. So let me ask you this, Toby. If you walk up to a movie theater counter and you see a sign that says free popcorn, you're going to get the free popcorn, right? Of course. All right. They're not even asking you to walk up to the counter. I know. They believe so much in their product that it's free. They say pick up your iPhone and we'll send it to your door. I know. It's amazing. You can go right now to naturebox.com. That's N-A-T-U-R-E-B-O-X.com forward slash bad Christian and get this for free right now. This is the tastiest supporter of bad Christian ever. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's great. So I, I hope everybody does get it and I can't wait to get some more. It's really is a home run when your kids can eat the snacks and your wife thinks they're good for them instead of all the bad stuff that kids always want that to appease them. And also I recommend getting it, taking it to your job and have it there. Inevitably, you know, you're going to want a snack in the afternoon between lunch and dinner. This way is preventative. You'll be, you'll have something good. You won't go to the vending machine. There'll be stuff right around you ready to go so that when it's time to snack, you'll be in good shape. And it's a free offer. So again, naturebox.com forward slash bad Christian. Well, Shane, I, I read that you were from Tennessee originally, but then you were in Philadelphia, but I am really thrilled. We love having people on the podcast that have moved out of the South but still retain their accents. That's a yes. That's really good stuff. Hallelujah. I'm in I'm in <laughs> Seattle and people never they just don't ever get it that I'm not that I didn't move here last week is what they think. Yeah. <laughs> I know I've lived here for 20 years, and people are like, where are you from? 
it's a good way to disarm the heathen, though. You know, like a southern accent. Yeah. Absolutely, disarms everybody, really. Yeah, they don't. The, you catch them by surprise. They don't think you're going to say something smart because they watch too much of that uh, <laughs> that Jerry Springer and stuff. You know. Yeah. <laughs> what part of Tennessee did you grow up in? Uh, Maryville. It's East Tennessee. East Tennessee, right now. Well, yeah, we're from South Carolina, all originally. I grew up in Greenville. Toby and I did. You got you got some problems in South Carolina right now. What's happening yeah. there, man? Uh, it, ha- it happened right around right where we live. Joey and I are in Charleston. It happened in North Charleston with uh, Walter Scott. A, a police officer shot him as he was running away, and it was it's it. People are. Uh, they're doing okay. There, there hasn't been anything too crazy. Like there, I mean, the the biggest thing that happened was a little bit of traffic got backed up from a protest, but uh, that was about it. There, there hasn't been any you know craziness or that, you know. That's interesting. Does that when when you reflect now on North Charleston, do you say, ah, oh, that that city's a lot better than Ferguson? I mean, do you? Do, oh, from, do, our, no, from our point of view, definitely. Like from do my point of view out better? here, I'm thinking, man, you almost. I really think that. I mean, that that could have been crazy. Like, imagine if your police chief and people out there would have. Uh, handled that poorly or really defended him or squashed stuff or, or whatever that would have been y'all would be in a living nightmare right now so you had i'd had to say you handled it good right well i think the the video right that having the video so clearly and then the, yeah, the police officers and our, our all, all the people higher higher up said yeah we got to squash this right now Shane, you care about uh, you're basically I don't I'm I'm going to call you this an activist, a passive activist stuff like that. How do what what about all the race stuff and Ferguson and you brought that up about Charleston? Uh, tell us your thoughts on on that kind of situation and where we're at in America. Well, I I'm I am deeply troubled. I I think folks have been uh, many people have been deeply troubled for a long time. You know, I mean, this is uh, we've we've been seeing. Three people killed every day by police officers in this country, uh, many of them unarmed. And many of it, a lot of it's kind of uh, been swept under the rug or not visible. And I think what's amazing right now is folks are naming it. You know, I mean, literally hashtags are putting names on injustice. Uh, and, you know, Walter Scott and uh, these these uh, uh, issues are, are getting a face and a name. And that's, that's really, really important because I, I think uh, uh, the, the whole movement around our country is uh, – beginning to tell the truth and i mm-hmm. think the truth sets us free but we have to tell it first and then we can move forward from there you know but uh um yeah i just talked to a police chief uh, named dave cooper and he uh wrote a book called arrested development but he was a police chief for 20 years and he uh-huh. said every police officer should be as sickened and as outraged as i am about what's happening in this country we need a total overhaul of how we think about and do policing and i, I think this is one face uh, of racism but there's you know uh certainly all kinds of ways that the legacy of slavery and racism have left a residue in this country that we need to name and 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 begin to really do the hard work of healing you know from so would you go so far as to say that this is uh good or even exciting is that bad to use that language with this stuff coming out of course it's hard to celebrate or say this is good with the tragedies that we're seeing but at the same time it is you you'd name it as progress that at least we're seeing it moving forward from there so we have to get into the, the the bad stuff before we can get through it 
Well, you can ask me that again in a year or two. You know, I think it's so fresh, it's hard to know, but it's it's always important. It's it's not it, there's nothing exciting about people getting killed, you know. Of course uh, not. But I think I think obviously when we can um begin to put our finger on some of the things that have been happening invisibly and make them visible. The social media on this has been uh, stunning. I mean, things that have been national news stories only became that way because they were exposed on the internet, you know, and uh, folks like uh, D-Ray and Sean King and folks in Ferguson, you know, have uh, hundreds of thousands of followers now that every time something like this happens, it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's like I, I, I told somebody the other day, you know, I read 1984 about Big Brother watching us, but now it's like we got Little Brother watching too, you that's know? Right. It's balancing <laughs> out a little bit. No, I, I so, think it's a good thing. So that's, I, I would say that, uh, that do, you, do you think your position and your approach to this type of stuff is uh, atypical for Christians in America? Do you, do you find yourself to be the, the fr- a fringe variety of Christian, or do you think, hey, I'm, I'm Shane Claiborne, this is, I'm a Christian, this is what I'm assuming other people are thinking too? Oh, man, I think it's happening everywhere is that that especially young Christians are realizing like Jesus cared about the stuff of the world he lived in. I mean, he's talking about injustice. He's talking about widows and orphans and uh, judges that don't do right. And uh-huh. and so we need to care about the stuff of our world. Um I like it old, you know, I, I heard a long time ago somebody said too many Christians are so heavenly minded that they become no earthly good. Uh-huh. You know, I believe in life after death, and, but but uh, uh, we've promised people life after death and they're wondering if they're going to live till tomorrow, you know. So I, I But think how do what, people receive you though? Do they they do they think you're a uh, poverty hippie you know, fringe person, or do you feel like you're, you know, in the mainstream or in the regular stream of Christianity in this country? <laughs> Man, well, I, um, in some ways, uh, I'm, I'm very traditional. Uh, unfortunately, I think one of the problems that I saw, I think that a lot of people have seen, is that uh, a lot of evangelical Christianity has sort of lost Christ or the uh-huh. Beatitudes. We've become known for things really different from what Christ became known for. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm encouraged that um, all over the country and the world, there are Christians that are engaging the injustices of the world we live in. And um yeah, I'm I'm convinced if we keep you losing young people in the church, it won't be because we didn't have a you know uh, hip punk rock band leading worship <laughs> on stage or a jumbotron, yeah. but it'll be because not we we've, we've not really cared about stuff that matters uh, to them and and really uh, dared them to follow Jesus because I think Jesus would be right in the middle of these con- these these uh, confronting injustice and doing that in a way that is loving and nonviolent. When I grew up in East Tennessee, I saw a certain reality. Um, I mean, all the police officers we celebrated, you know, like they were heroes. And those those were true stories. You know, I, if you asked me when I was 10 years old what I wanted to do when I grew up, I would have said I want to be a police officer. Uh, but I think our... our what we see out the window shapes our theology mm-hmm. and, and it shapes our worldview. And uh, so what we've got to do is expand our vision a little bit and see that there's other people that have grown up seeing different things out their window. And when I moved into North Philadelphia, I began to see how racism can infect systems, you know, and it can uh, uh, 
infect uh, toxic way yeah. in toxic ways how we see policing and justice in this country and whether someone uh, what someone gets charged for and you know so I think a lot of that's uh, um, it, it, we, we really need to listen right now to those voices that have often been um, uh, not listened to. And, and uh, Dr. King had a great line. He said that uh, uh, riot is the, la- is the language of the unheard. And so when, we he- when people don't feel heard, they shout louder. And when people, you know, when in Ferguson, tears were met with tear gas, uh, I think it, it caused such a, um, a, a, a repressed environment yep. there. So what we've got to do is we've got to give uh, voice to those things. We've got to listen well. How, how do we do that? Out- what are we doing wrong there and how do we do it different then? Well, I mean, Ferguson is a textbook example of what we did wrong by like, rather than uh, uh, recognizing and honoring the pain of a community, uh, it was absolutely became militarized, you know, and, and, uh, I think in um, we there's this suspicion of people of color uh, in our country that I think people are, are beginning to realize, you know, that why would someone run from a police officer? Well, my goodness, like we've seen what is happening to people and, and uh, you know, like um, if police are this scared of unarmed black people, we can understand why people of color are scared of police with guns. You sure. know, I think that it's it's a traumatic thing. So Christians, we're called to be peacekeepers. We're called mm-hmm. to be reconcilers. We're we're called, I think, to um, to tra- like tear down the walls that are uh, oppressing people. And Jesus said, you know, to set the oppressed free, that to break the chains. Uh, so that's that's what we're called to do. And and in this situation, I think we we would do well to recognize how history has created the roots of a lot of this uh, injustice that we see today. So, but what about like the the person, just the regular old white Christian in the suburbs? They're like, well, I'm not there. I didn't do anything bad in Ferguson. There's must be, you know, that's just some, that's just one little place, one thing. What does that mean for just the general person in the pew on Sunday? Well, you don't, you don't have to wear a KKK hood to be, to, to benefit from a system of racism. And I think that, that, uh, one of the best definitions for racism, uh, Michelle Alexander and other wonderful thinkers on this have said is that, uh, it's a system of privilege that's based on race. And, you know, you see over and over studies that show that if, when you, present the exact same resume, identical resumes, but the name on one of them is Scott and the name on uh, another one is uh, Hernandez or something. They get different responses from employers. So I think part of what we all can do is name some of that. And then if we're really people that are after God's heart, I think what breaks the heart of God should break our hearts. What it, you know, uh, uh, that 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 uh, the things that God cares about, we should care about. Uh, so when our to love our neighbor as ourselves in America, I think be means being very sensitive to race right now. So it probably bugs you when you see those kinds of posts that that are obvious pushback against that prove, oh, see a cop did something to a white guy too, so y'all quit crying. Those, that, that type of Facebook post probably irritates you, huh? Well, I believe every. Anytime someone is hurt, we should hurt with them. Uh, mm-hmm. That when two police officers are killed in New York City in the line of duty, 
we should be outraged and heartbroken by that. Um, and uh, the the you know some folks would say, well, you know, why don't we just say all lives matter, you know, or every life matter, not just Black Lives Matter? And say like part of what we're we're called to do, and as Christians, I think, is amplify those things which have not been recognized. And so, to, for instance, to say disabled people matter uh, isn't to say other people don't, you know. And mm-hmm. and I think that there is a lot of evidence that shows that we have not come to to actually honor the fact that people of color uh, do matter in this country. And so, yeah, I mean, I think some of this, you know, we can talk about it all we want. And, uh, but but in the end, you know, Mother, Mother Teresa had a great line. She said, uh, we, we can talk about poverty and justice and still not talk to those who are affected by it. Yeah. And, and so think, you spend time with Mother Teresa, is that right? Well, yeah, but hold on. I think like I, I so I think part of what we got to do is we got to actually have relationships with people who are different from us. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the kingdom of God is 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 about being a part of a really diverse and beautiful family. So I think Martin Luther King was right to lament that eleven o'clock on Sunday morning is one of the most segregated hours in the world. You know, mm-hmm. so the church uh, of all places should not be a place of segregation, but a place of celebration of diversity. And uh, we've got a lot of work to do on that. And it begins in living rooms and dinner tables when we break down the barriers of race. How do we do that, though? I mean, I I love that idea, and I'm thinking through the same things, but I just feel like, how how do we get there? I mean, like like you said, our our churches are segregated. I mean, we don't want to just say, hey, come here because you are a different color than me. You know what I mean? Like, we want people to come because of the gospel. So so what are— We're the ones. You know, I don't think Jesus is saying to others, come find the church, but Jesus is saying to us, go into the world. And so I think we're the ones that have got to go into places where those of us who— are white are a minority from time to time you and know that's I mean? what you do shane you moved to philadelphia in the poor can you i don't know if everybody knows your background that well or not maybe they all do but so t- you is that what you're is that basically what you've done you've gone to the other uh communities you went and live in the housing projects in philadelphia i don't have all the details myself but you've been to iraq and all those you know been that's what you've been trying to do is go to the places where the people are instead of build a church to attract them well, it kind of found us like I was a student at a great college, Eastern University outside Philly. And then we heard about a group of homeless moms and kids that were living in an abandoned cathedral and uh, they were facing eviction. And uh, something about that just didn't feel right, you know, that the church was kicking out these homeless families from an abandoned cathedral at a time when there were hundreds and hundreds of families waiting for housing. And so we got involved in that, and that eventually became the neighborhood where we started our community. And, um, uh, it, you know, statistically, it's one of the poorest districts in Philly, but it's also a place where community is how people have survived. So we, you know, we've we've learned so much from our neighborhood, and I'm proud to call it home. Uh, but we encounter a lot of injustice. We encounter a lot of uh, violence and crime. And some of the most, uh, the scariest incidents that I've experienced have involved the police. You know, we've seen police... Um, uh, well, I mean, in one instance, a, a mentally ill homeless man was shot and killed by police uh, in Philadelphia, and it, it was it was said that he was armed. It later came out that he had a 
folding chair that mm-hmm. he was hiding behind and he was shot and killed. So I think there's a lot of things that like, I never see that, saw that kind of stuff growing up. So I think, yeah, part of what we do, that's what Jesus did. Jesus, um, moved in among us, you know, uh, the word became flesh. And so they, uh, I think what happens in Jesus is Jesus leaves all the entitlement and the privilege and comes down and joins us in the struggle on earth is born a homeless baby dies on a cross, you know? And so I think that, uh, that story is the centerpiece of our faith and it calls us to move closer to the suffering rather than away from it. And I think a lot of our world has moved away from to, you know, a lot of suburban sprawl is kind of motivated by moving away from neighborhoods and other people that don't look like us and neighborhoods where there's high crime and things like that. But the gospel should call us into those places. And I don't think that means everybody's got to move into North Philly, but I think it does mean that we go into the prisons, we go into the forsaken places, and uh, we bear witness to God's love and we find God's love among the people there. Mm-hmm. Shane, you mind if we get into... Uh financial stuff as far as Christians and just your perspective on that. I know irresistible revolution raised a bunch of eyebrows, man. Like, um, just to, to hear straight from you, I mean, do you, uh, this may sound like a weird question, but do you believe Christians should have a savings account? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think Jesus says live like the lilies and the sparrows. And I don't know how many worms they saved up, but you know, but I, I think, uh, we're figuring this out ourselves. So I'm not telling everybody else how to live. I'm trying to figure out how to live myself. But I do know that um, for the early church, the ethic uh, around economics was so radical that they said um, a Christian has no more to keep, uh, no right to keep more than what they need while someone else has less that uh, violation of this idea to love our neighbor as ourselves. So if we have two coats, we've stolen one. Uh, you know, if we, uh, uh, Basil the Great said, if, if uh, someone steals a person's clothes, we call them a thief, but we should call a Christian a thief if they have extra clothes in their closet and don't give to those who need them. So, I, I mean, that's a radical, radical ethic. Um, yeah. Well, how do you do? It? How do you do it for yourself? If you don't mind getting specific, like I'm not saying that you, your life is a prescription for what others should do. I'm not claiming that. But what? How do you do with money? What? Give us some details if you could. I kind of admit from the beginning that I'm a bit of a hypocrite on this, you mm-hmm. know, and that we, we're we're like going to try to figure this out together. But like in our community, what we found is that that doesn't mean we're left alone. I think what we realize is that we have community. The early church had community. So there were needs that they had, but it says that they pulled their money together. The money was taken at the apostles feet and they were, it was distributed to folks as they had need, you know? And, uh, so just like many hands make for light work, I think uh, many wallets make for cheap rent, you know, and we find that as we pull our money together, we can take care of each other. And uh, so it's not that we don't have a security net. It's just that that net not, is like not our individual mm-hmm. savings account in the Wall Street, you know, market, but our security net is in Jesus and, and the church taking care of each other. So real practically, you know, every month I pull, the, pull money together with a bunch of other Christians and we... Uh, when we have medical bills, we share those bills together. So uh, there's like 20,000 of us that are a part of that collective and Christian Healthcare Ministries is the name of it. We just pull money together and every month we get a letter who's in the hospital and we meet those needs. We do about $15 million a 
year uh, in bill sharing. And even locally, like we just figure out ways that we can share cars and, you know, a washer and dryer and things like that so that we all don't end up in the current patterns, which is, you know, we, we have five percent of the world's population in the u.s but we're consuming almost half the world's stuff Uh so how can we rather than figuring out how do we accumulate more it's how do we be satisfied with less and how do we share more uh with each other and uh and it's a beautiful thing man to me it's not about guilt it's really about life and 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 community gives us life when we share uh, with each other. So I cap my income off. My wife and I have decided what we need to live off of and we get a living stipend. But John Wesley did that. You know, so many uh, Christians through history have said, we're going to calculate what we need to live off of and then we'll just give the rest away. And uh, so that's kind of what we do. I would I would totally agree with that. that. That's what, don't you think Joey and Toby, that's what pastors should do? All well, the all, the big problem with it, it sure doesn't sound fun. <laughs> no, <laughs> it does not sound that fun. Uh, I, I mean, I, I I'm obviously joking there. I th- I think you're right, and I think uh, uh, honestly, I've said this a, a bunch of times, is that I think the American dream is kind of a lie. I don't think it fulfills anything. I think it turns into a nightmare. And as you get older, you feel like you didn't get enough. You you were supposed to get something when you retired, and then it just isn't true. And it kind of leads just to I think depression and and uh, lies and all kinds of stuff. But I I, I agree with you. What, what do people, Shane, what's their big uh, uh, pushback against you? I mean, I'm sure you hear it all the time. And you're like, is that you're t- preaching a poverty gospel? It's the same as the prosperity gospel. What, what do people say to you when they push back on, hey, man, you can't tell me what, to do, what I should do with my money? Well, I can't speak for other people, but what I, what I can say is that I think the prosperity gospel, the idea that God wants to bless us with actual money. And if you give a dollar, you'll get a hundred, you know, like it's a very compelling um, uh, idea that uh, the more you give, the more you'll get, you know, name it and claim it kind of thing. But it becomes a very, uh, a very dangerous, narcissistic, self-centered, blessing-obsessed gospel, you know, that is about what I can get and finding my best life. And, my, and, and with all of our obsession with ourselves, we lose the secret, which is at the heart of Jesus. If you want to find your life, give it away. You know, the best thing to do with the gifts of God is share them with other folks. So, uh, I, I've come to, we talk a lot about, you know, I mean, the prosperity gospel, I mean, there's extreme cases like Brother Creflo Dollar now having a $60 million <laughs> funding campaign for a private plane, you know, but I think that, that there's a more subtle thing that that's the really bizarre extreme cases, but more likely what we have is, is, um, where we are living in a hyperly individual individualistic society where we think we all need our own you know lawnmower and washer yep. and dryer and car and all these things so we end up living into patterns that aren't sustainable and don't, they don't necessarily give us life you know you you go to some of the richest corners in the world and we have some of the highest rates of loneliness depression and suicide mm-hmm. so i think like god created us for community to love and be loved to do life together uh, and and we've almost lost the art of that. Uh, but when you start to do community, you find that it's it's hard. Yeah, but it's it's beautiful, you know. And I I don't regret, you know, uh, trying to live simply one bit. Uh, Mother Teresa at one point was asked. Somebody said to her, "Oh my gosh, you're such a saint. I couldn't do what you do for a million dollars." And she said, 
I wouldn't do it for a million dollars either. I'd yeah. do it because it's what we're made for, you know? So we're not saints. It's just kind of, this is a very sensible way to live. Well, I mean, what's interesting about what you're saying there that makes me almost optimistic, really, is that it kind of it falls in line with some I'm usually pessimistic, but what you're saying about everybody having their own this and that or whatever basically offends me on the level of efficiency. So I'm just kind of a practical person that says uh, things need to be efficient. When they're not, it kind of drives me crazy because it's, uh, it's not, I don't know if it's this wasteful or it could just operate better. But what we see now with uh, the internet and a lot of technologies and stuff like that is there's so much of the economy that's actually turning that way, just market driven to where people are doing Airbnb and Uber and ride share and meal sharing. And those aren't yeah. Christian programs, but to me, that's a, a step in the right direction as a whole culture for everybody to realize that there's tons of stuff that we can share and do and work yeah. on together. So I, maybe that lines up. Maybe, you know, we're kind of on the precipice of moving in a really good direction in a general way. And then the Christians oddly seem to be the most resistant to that and the most empire building, you know, institutionalized making, uh, regressive thinking on that. So hopefully they can catch up. Well, I don't think that Christians have the monopoly on on good. Uh, you know, I uh-huh. think that in, like when it comes to community, community is a longing inside of us. Like every human being is made in the image of God, and and God reflects this plurality of oneness. This, you know, God says when the first humans made, it's not good to be alone. So I think there's a longing in us to love and be loved. And so anywhere we see people moving towards community, uh, we should celebrate that, you know, and, and, you know, sometimes people say, oh, you're idealistic and all this. I, I, I mean, I would say that you're idealistic if, if we think that the world can sustain the current patterns of living, like Forbes magazine of all places just said 86 of the richest people in the world now own the same amount as 3.5 billion people. Wow. Less than 100 people own the same amount of wealth as half the world. That is idealistic to think that we can live in a world where masses of people live in poverty and a handful of people live however they wish. That's a very fragile world. Yeah, it is. It is. So if we don't, are we gonna, I, I totally get all that. If we're going to shift a little bit here, um, the other two things I want to talk about is is I, I tell you what one thing I think is interesting is that you have a background and did some stuff in youth ministry. I'd love to hear your thoughts on the state of youth ministry and what you thought about it. And I don't know if you got out of it or exactly what the story is there, but could you tell oh, me? Oh, I love I love youth ministry. I, uh, the good thing about youth is no one's convinced uh, uh-huh. you that anything is impossible. You know, and and so I um. I love it. I studied youth ministry and did it for a long time. I worked at Willow Creek uh, in Chicago for a while with the student ministry there, student impact. And I've done that a lot of my life. And and I think it's no coincidence that a lot of the most promising movements in the world right now are being led by young people. Uh, And uh, so I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I'm really excited about what, what uh, young people have to offer the church, but we've, we've got some work to do to, um, I think, embrace that, you know, to really, um, there's a kind of a generational gap that we, we, we see uh, in the church that's alarming. And so I think, I think a lot of our older people, we need to have some humility to welcome young people and innovation and fresh ideas. And for young people, mm-hmm. I think there's a need for humility as well to realize that there's some old people singing the same song that we've been singing. So I, uh, I also like having some old folks around me, like my 
my sister Margaret, our 80-year-old nun, she is wonderful and wild. And anytime somebody says, you know, oh, this radical Christianity is a great phase of youth, uh, I'm like, well, you need to meet Sister Margaret. She's been in the phase for half a century now, you know. Yeah, well, I tell you what, Shane, you seem to really have a knack for not saying anything negative about anybody because all the stuff you're saying I find to be – when I, what I'm hearing are these, uh, you know, w- indictments of culture and Christianity and the church and stuff. But the way, you, when it, way it comes across when you say it is just, you know, it's very nice. It's very encouraging, and I think I, I appreciate that. I don't have that skill at all. I, what I want to do is just tell everybody what they're doing wrong and kind of thing like that. So you have a very, you know, nice way of not – uh, really going at people on stuff like that. How? What is that a, a skill you develop? Is that something you think is important? Is to not be negative? Well, uh, I wouldn't say I'm not negative, but I realize that uh, what I can change is myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least on good days, you know. And uh, and so Jesus said, you know, don't point out the speck in your brother or sister's eye. Work on the log in your own eyes. So that's what I try to work on. And uh, old G.K. Chesterton, he was asked, what's wrong in the world? And he said two words. He said, I am. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I, I think that's what we're and, – and honestly, like part of our critique of what's wrong is our practice of something better, you know. So there's plenty that I could complain about the church, but I decided a long time ago to stop complaining alone and work on becoming the church that we dream of, you know, and trying to uh, practice the kind of Christianity that we hope takes over the airwaves and not just let the loud voices that uh, sometimes can fill the airwaves with hatred be the only voice for Christianity. So you wouldn't speak even out against uh, having a stock portfolio or home ownership? Do you think those things are not good? Oh, I I think that we can speak out uh, uh, for the things Jesus spoke about, Um, uh, you know, but here's what I think is that Jesus didn't come to give us this crippling guilt, but Jesus came to give us life and we settle for a lot of other things. And so like when I look at scripture, one of the constant themes is there is enough for everyone's need, but there's not enough for everyone's greed. You know, this idea that we're to live and pray for this day, our daily bread, or as Proverbs says, give me neither poverty nor riches for in my poverty, I could be forced to steal. And in my riches, I would forget my God. So I think my goal is not to like point my finger at people, but point my finger towards Jesus and towards the gospel and say, Jesus wants more for us than often what we settle for ourselves. You know, uh, I think that's one thing that we're actually trying to figure out along those lines, though, is I, I, I think maybe in the church we almost overcompensate because I, I agree with that, what you're saying, but I think we could take that too far by never calling anything out. So, like, for us, it's I think we finally get to a point where we're just like, you know what? We do see things that we think is wrong. We could be wrong on our assessment, but why why can't we be more open? Is it because we don't want to disrespect a pastor that is, uh, you know, fallible just like me as a pastor, you know, so how, so do you think all Christians should just be quiet about other Christians, especially those that are in the public forum, those that are mega church pastors, or do you think there's a time and place where we say, ah, that was kind of a shitty thing that he did. So, you know, we, we need to at least talk about it. 
Well, I don't think we should ever be silent. I think we should uh, we should speak out. Um, uh, but I, I also, when I look at how Jesus does that, uh, Jesus is not condemning people. I think Jesus is, I, for instance, I think about how we think about sin and like, oh, can you or can you not be rich? Like part of the what misses the question is like, uh, we, we end up thinking like, this is about disobeying God or this is about doing something immoral. And I think sin is always uh, a failure to do what love requires of us. And so in the end, this is about love, loving our neighbor as ourselves. And, and so, uh, you know, can a Christian be rich? Well, can a Christian watch too much TV or, you know, eat too much unhealthy food? Sure. Like, like, yeah, but like the, 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 in the end, I think like what we're pointing towards is towards what love requires of us. And in as much as we judge, we will be judged, you know? So I just called Creflo Dollar out on buying a $60 million airplane. Right, like, right. You know, if I go buy a $60 million airplane, then people are going to call me out, and rightfully so. You so know, that's an easy out, one, though. How far will you slide that down? So that one's obvious, okay? Nobody that. But how far are you willing to slide down and say what's wrong? Pastors that make a million? Pastors that make half a million? Pastors that have Jaguars? I mean, what, what is it? What is it? Well, I mean, here, here's an example. I, I am super psyched that Priscilla and I uh, have $5,000 in the savings account. I'm like, man. I know to some people that's just like, oh, well, good job. But I'm thinking, oh, that's nice. So, so somewhere between Creflo and Pastor Joey, Shane, what, what do you think? No, I, I don't think it's about what you have. I think it, that, that uh, it, it, what, what, it, what does it mean to love our neighbor as ourself? And I think part of what's difficult about this is that we've lost touch with people who are in need, you know, and, and that's part of uh, what, what's at the core of everything is a relational disconnect. It's not that rich folks don't care about poor folks, but that rich folks don't know poor folks. Mm-hmm. And if we have neighbors that we know by name are sleeping in a cardboard box, then it becomes harder and harder to go home to a heated house in the summertime. I mean, the wintertime, you know, it becomes hard loving our neighbor as ourself. Uh, when we have folks that we know children that are dying because they don't have a mosquito net that would prevent malaria and a mosquito net costs $3, then it reframes like whether or not we're going to buy, you know, coffee from Starbucks. But to me, it's not about guilt. It's about being propelled by love because the scripture says you can sell everything you have and give it to the poor. But if you don't have love, it's still empty. Um, and, and so our job, I think, is really to to build the relationships with those who their their discomfort might disturb our comfort a little bit, and that's a good thing, you know. I th- well, you're disturbing mine right now. I'd have to say, if I had to be honest about it, I'm, I, you know, it's it's I don't want to, I don't want to give my stuff away. I don't. I, I'm trying to get into a better community that's farther away from the cardboard boxes, personally, um, and so that makes it does make me uncomfortable. But here's what I think is, I think you deserve a certain amount of. Uh, to be listened to and respect. I don't, I don't even think respect's the right word. I'm going to say it's just common sense and good judgment to listen to somebody that, that has seen more than I have. And that's the frustration I have with uh, people that argue with me or with us or don't like what we say. 
all I'm trying to say is I come from a position where I have seen a lot. And when I, my, when I mean a lot, I mean, you know, rock clubs and cities all over the country and a, some world travel, a lot more than the average person. And so that's my point of view. But I defer here totally to, to you and want to learn from your point of view because you've been, um, you have experience all over the world and with poverty and living in poverty and, and those kinds of things. So although I can't even wrap my head all, all the way around it, I do have a common sense enough to know that somebody that loves Jesus as much as you uh, do and has seen a lot more than I have. You have a lot more experience than I have. That that has to be valuable. So I hope other people hear it as valuable, um, and, and I do. And I, think, I hope everybody could have that kind of uh, common sense to listen to people that have a broader set of experiences than they do. Well, y'all, you're kind, and I, I'm not interested in people being more like me, but people being more like Jesus, you know. Mm-hmm. And and but I think what we do is we help point each other that direction, you know. And 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 part of what has happened in the church is um, we we've kind of lost Jesus at the core of everything. So I think there's a whole generation that wants a Christianity that looks like Jesus again, and that reads things like the Sermon on the Mount and wrestles with them, just like you guys are. You know, like, um, and ask questions like, well, Jesus said, live like the lilies and the sparrows, you know, like, don't worry about tomorrow. What's that mean for a 401k plan? You know, (laughs) Jesus uh, said that we're to love our enemies. Can you love enemies and prepare to kill them? That's a great question. It gets so confusing to me because I'm trying to, I spend all of my week, basically, if I'm not just working on music, I'm trying to figure out how to make a bad Christian and our podcasts and our music label and other artists and stuff that I care about. I am working on stuff that I believe in and care about, but I'm trying to make it work. I'm trying to turn it into positive cash flow. I'm trying to make it a full-time thing for for my family. I'm trying to make it my full-time career and, and do, do that kind of thing. So, it just it's just challenging for me. Should I be less concerned with profit? Should I be le- try less to optimize stuff? Should I try to be more benevolent when I negotiate with people on business deals? I'm I'm confused. Well, let me know when you figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I will say this that I I think that uh, God gives us gifts for a reason, and not all of us are going to do exactly the same thing. I even look at two tax collectors uh, in the Gospels, Matthew and Zacchaeus. They're both tax collectors, but when they meet Jesus, they respond differently. One sells everything and follows Jesus, and the other, Zacchaeus, he sells half of everything. So he said, all right, I got you know, to get rid of all this stuff. But then he began paying people back four times what he owed them. So he spends the whole you know, debt system on its head and liberates the, the indebted people, you know. And so I think, like, there's something to Frederick Beekner when he says, we've got to take our deepest passions and connect them to the world's deepest pain. And I think when we do that, when we take our gifts and our passions and we connect them to the pain and the injustices of the world we live in, then we do what we're wired to do, but we do it in a way that contributes to something bigger than just paying the bills. And it contributes to the movement of God in the world and of, uh, you know, uh, reducing the suffering of others and sharing, uh, you know, the good news uh, with, with uh, everyone we meet. We can do that with our, with our lives and with our vocations. So what does Shane Claiborne do bad? 
<laughs> like where 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 where's the bad where's the bad stuff you do? Where are you weak at? Like, cause I mean, all this stuff that you say is just so awesome. And Matt's right. The way you present present this information is so graceful and uh, well thought out. Uh, what what what's your weakness? Like, do, do you ever blow money? Like, do you just go screw it. I'm going to Vegas and blow two thousand. You ever? I mean, where where are you weak at? Oh gosh. Well, I've got. If my wife were on the show, she could answer that question real well. But uh, I mean, I, I think that we've all got our vulnerabilities, and a lot of times, our, our our biggest passions and our biggest loves can also become some of our uh, uh, our struggles. You know, and and uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think part of what I I wrestle with is is. Um, Sometimes I, I feel like one of my struggles is being a really, really great, solid community member in North Philadelphia in my community when I travel a third of the time, you know? So yeah. it, it, it is why I limit my travel, but it's still hard to be a fully present community member and, you know, travel 120 years. Why are you traveling so much? Well, because I love speaking and preaching and sharing the gospel, you know, and I, I – um, have discerned with my wife and my community how much I travel. And that's why I cap it off. You know, I've always said I'm going to be home more than I'm away. Um, but, uh, and I reevaluate that every year, how many di- days I'm away, you know, cause I, I see a, a real value and so does my neighborhood see a real value in both traveling and, and also being home. And, and, and I mean, in a crazy way, as I travel preaching and writing books, it also fuels the stuff that we do locally. So we're trying, you know, we figure that out, but, uh, uh, yeah, and and all of us are. Hip- I think I think the question is not whether or not we're hypocrites, but are we less of a hypocrite now than we were a year ago, you know, or a day ago? And and the question is also like, do we have room for another hypocrite at the table, you know? And I, I think part of what we can do in the church is be more honest about our struggles, and when we do that, um, uh, we we welcome other people who aren't perfect rather than you know pretending that we all are. Yeah. You know, uh, and for a lot of you realize that Toby and I have been on and off of this daggum call. So, Matt, I'm going to check in on you and see if uh, Shane talked shit about me for having $5,000 in savings. Yeah, we, as soon as you dropped uh, off the call, yeah, we, he went off. I mean, it was, it was yeah. super vulgar and everything. So, man, <laughs> like that really um, pushed his button. So I know you missed yeah. that. You can hear it later when the episode comes cool, out. I'll leave cool. it in. Yeah, I won't cool. Shane, it. Shane, I I'm forgive you. I'm just going to say this. You can buy a house in my neighborhood for $1,000. <laughs> so if you don't send me one-fifth of that uh, – you, you know, one or maybe just a, a tenth of that. Then uh, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go blog about <laughs> I, it. <laughs> here, here's here's what I've learned, and I'm learning still about this, and I, I don't have it figured out. I have I, I think so black and white, and it's all it's either one way or the other. And I think that when I do that, I don't leave a whole lot of room for Jesus. And so I, I just have to figure out, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And some examples that I've seen in the past that has just like made me think, like, for example, there's a guy at one of the churches, uh, Seacoast is a multi-site, so there's a guy at another church. Every time there's a need, he's able to wipe, uh, take his credit, and, and it's, it's not showy. He does it behind closed doors. I'm making it sound like it's super showy because I just think it's cool. But he takes out his checkbook, writes a check for $1,000, and says, here, I, I just, I just want to help out. Now, if he decides today and and maybe the holy spirit leads him to do that but if he decides today how i'm going to give all my money away 
he's not able to do that anymore. You know what I'm saying? So I think uh, for me, it's figuring out, okay, how, how do I steward my money? And I do think some people may be called to just give it all away, live in um, you know a poverty-stricken area. Um, and then I think there's some Christians that may be called to be a millionaire. And uh, now I, I think all of us, when we hear that, we think, Oh, what, whatever. There's no one. But what if it's a millionaire that lives in a three bedroom house, two bathrooms, and is constantly meeting needs like crazy, you know? So it's just, uh, I know I missed a lot of the conversation. The, the so problem that, that, with that, Joey, if I could jump in on that, is yeah. that that may exist. And I don't think Shane or anybody would knock that potential scenario. However, 80% of us are using that as a justification and saying, when I get mine, then I'll probably do some good. So right, that, yeah. that saying that, but that's okay too to be rich because you might be nice. That is not justification to go pursue riches. All right, that's, so that's, so that's how no, people I use it. I, I agree. I think we should all be striving after generosity first and foremost. Like I, I, I think uh, Shane said that as, as far as you know, thinking through how to use our money for others. But I, I mean, I, I'll name drop from what I understand of Rick Warren. He could be if he wanted to, one of the richest guys ever. I mean, his, his book sold more copies than anything other than the Bible. And I know for a fact that he reversed tithes. So that means he gives 90% of his money away. He's still a millionaire. There's no way he's not a millionaire. And I don't think this is speculation or this is what I've heard. I don't think he ever upgraded to like a big mansion or anything. So to me, that's an example. And, and Matt, I know you said it's prob- it, it probably happens, but it's not the norm. I would say that's probably an example, and I have no problem with that. And well, if it's I clearly did, not it's the norm. The fact anyway. that people use it to justify whatever it is they want to do is the problem. Is the only way I would say that. Not calling out an individual. I've done some stuff with Rick, and I, one of the things that I've heard him say is that uh, – uh, you know, the problems, it's not necessarily a sin to generate riches, but it's a sin to die with them. And right. so, like, it's that, uh, uh, you, you know, if we, I mean, geez, folks, I, we generate hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, right? I yeah. sell, I, we've sold, you know, I don't know, half a million books or something. Like, but, you know, we still live off of our little wage that's similar to what my neighbors live off of. And, like, I don't think that's heroic. I think it just makes sense in light of the gospel, you know, that, like, what's liberating around that is, like, I'm going to have the things that I need fulfilled. And then I'm not, uh, I don't allow the grip of money and mammon to, like, infect my soul. You know, John Wesley said, I get money out of my hands as quick as I can, lest it make its way into my soul. And so he capped his income off. Uh, and, and I think one of the things that's so problem, I mean, John Wesley generated what would be equivalent to millions of dollars and still lived off of like 30 pounds a year, you know? Um, but what we, what we've done is we've turned charity into this noble virtue to think where we think we're doing, uh, God's work when we give the poor. Well, you know, I, I, I question this blessed to be a blessing thing because I think sometimes we've taken stuff that we should have never taken, you know, huh. and that we've, we've actually, um, uh, even St. Vincent, who the great charity is named after, he said, when I give food to the hungry, I get on my knees in a posture of forgiveness because I'm only returning what never should have been taken. That's yeah. interesting because now you're talking about uh, like now I guess it's kind of makes sense to me in the sense you're saying that this is even about that person. It's it's better for you 
to to not have it's a weakness my insecurity that I need this money or that I need to collect this it's not trust it's not good for me I bet you it's very contributive to depression suicide loneliness you know the the whole addiction to money because I do believe everybody fundamentally is addicted to money I think that's basically our condition and I bet a lot of depressed people that are middle or high income would be a heck of a lot happier if they lived in your community and were involved. They simply, that would be more happiness, fulfillment, doing what they were intended to do more than, than, than what they have now. But well, it, sweet Lord, you look at these rock stars. I mean, you guys are rock stars, you know, like, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm so rich and lonely. I can't take it. I know you can gain the whole world and lose your soul. I mean, like, look at Michael Jackson, bless his heart. I mean, did so much good for the world, but also ended up like in, in this absolute, it, it is heartbreaking to see how he died, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't get any better than the story of the rich man and Lazarus, where, rich, where Jesus says exactly what you're saying, brother. You know, he says, the rich man lived in a gated neighborhood, lived in this luxury every day, and there were there was suffering right on the other side of his gate, but the rich man comes to find out that that gated wall that he hid behind wasn't good for the poor man, and it wasn't good for him either. I mean, because we're robbing ourselves from the very thing we're made for, which is love and compassion, and and uh, you know, so the walls that we build to separate ourselves from those who are hurting often end up separating us from God. Guys, I think I found my first ally in the in my quest to to show everybody that winning the lottery would only be negative. I can't ever get anybody <laughs> to agree with me on that, Are but I, I think me? Shane does. I think winning the lottery terrible no matter what for anybody. I think Shane, would you agree with me? I don't buy lottery tickets, but if and you do win a few million, give me a holler and I'll tell you how to fuel the revolution, <laughs> man. Yeah. I, <laughs> Yeah, but I, you know, I think that that we are going to do stuff that generates money. Y'all are going to, you know, flip a record that's going to sell millions, and like then, but but then like the the question is, how do we get that out of our hands so it doesn't, you know, hijack our heart? How do we like uh, do responsible giving to to fuel the wonderful work of God and not let money become our motivation? I think a big thing here, too, is what we're not saying is, uh, okay, you have money, now just give it all away and live as poor as possible. But what we are saying is just give. I know even for Jess and uh, and me, like we have seen, like, and I do believe when you test God, that's what the Bible says, test God with your money and, and he'll give you more than you could ever hope and dream. Now, I don't think that is a lottery ticket where you get a billion dollars because you tithe on the reg. But I do think if you just start giving, it, you'll give more. Like, I mean, that is happening in my life right now. And honestly, it, it isn't always comfortable. Like, I mean, we gave a large, uh, to us, uh, somebody gave us a large sum of money and then encouraged us to also give a large sum of money when we had an abundance recently. And now, like, we have a slab leak and our water heater went out and we owe, we have thousands of dollars ahead of us. And I'm like, man, that thousand if, we, if we had that money <laughs> back, that sure would be awesome, right? But I have to admit I feel taken care of. Yeah. I, I'm really not that scared. It sucks. And I go, well, I have to figure out where that money comes from, you know, and I want to lead our family well, but I'm not scared because I go, well, I, God provides. I know that because I'm giving and not, and, and I would say that's ho- totally the Holy Spirit, not me, because I, I love to just have. It's nice to have that, those zeros in the bank for sure. A one with a bunch of zeros behind it is really nice to have saved up in the bank. But I hear what you're saying, but I don't think that's what we're saying. 
to just hey, no matter what, give, 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 give. Because I think when Jesus talks about the the uh, the rich man, uh, it wasn't necessarily the money. It was just that he knew that's the one thing that the guy couldn't give up. So there's something whatever whatever gets you that you'd put before God. That's what Jesus is talking about. I don't think it's necessarily money. In, in the, I mean, it was in that instance, and it is for a lot of people. But I think it's for everybody. I'd say everybody's addicted to money. So I'd say you have nothing to lose by pushing on everybody to to get rid of as much as possible. I mean, you know what I mean? It's not going to happen, so you might as well just... I don't think the... Well, I can defend the fact that I have money. I don't even think you need to worry about that. That takes care of itself. I think everybody's fundamentally addicted to money. Matt, it's weird because I, I, I find that most people agree with your theory. That's why I was so surprised. Most people, I think, do say that the lottery would, would mess you up. They say, yeah, those people are stupid. Give it to me. Watch what I do with it. But they're wrong. <laughs> hey, That's arrogance, in my opinion. You, you guys would all get a kick out of this. And Shane, you've probably heard this. Do you know there is actual a doctrine in it? And it's the name it, claim it, prosperity gospel. They actually teach that Jesus was extremely rich for his three years of ministry. And basically what they say is he was a kick-ass carpenter. He made a buttload of money, saved it all. And they're just like, because, (laughs) and and they say, how else do you think he did three years of ministry without having to work? He saved enough money for three years. He was rich. And, And that's why they say, you know, there's nothing wrong with having a lot of money and everything. But I just think that's funny. I mean, it says he didn't have a place to lay his head. Yeah. <laughs> he probably did a GoFundMe with a capital M. Yeah. <laughs> Brother couldn't even afford his own tomb. I had to have one donated. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, you know, I think uh, this is a this is just one of those issues, man, where it does stretch people. It does touch people in a way. It's just like, oh, don't, don't, don't get near my, my money. But I think it's a necessary topic that we have to keep talking about is Matt. I would agree with you. I think it's a snare for all of us. I know it is for me and uh, Shane, I, you know, I, I just really think it's awesome that, um, you've opened up and, uh, shared what you've learned. And, uh, I agree with Toby. I think how you approach it, uh, it, it's not in a, uh, egotistical, uh, chastising way, but really in a, a loving, you know, you love the church. You want what's yeah. best for it. Yeah, it's not really a snare for me. Mine is more like boobs and butts. Yeah, cool. Anyway, great talking to you, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the next show, we'll talk uh, that right there. So, yeah, by the way, if y'all want to give, just go to our website, thesimpleway.org slash donate. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> very nice, Shane. All right, thank you. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again. Uh, appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, man. It, it, honestly, I hate this uh, bad connection we had today. We're we're at our church office, and the the it's just going in and out. But yeah, great guest, man. From what we heard, it's just so good. We had so many other things we wanted to say, but we didn't know what y'all had hit already. So uh, yeah, hey, just holler at us, and uh, man, that church. You must need to get a better uh, church that can afford the yep. internet. <laughs> people need to give over there at Seacoast. Well, we can't give them to give. Spending your money on the poor and stuff instead of the internet. No, they did such a good job preaching it that everybody at the church gave their money away. Now there's none to give back to the church, she said. That's right. That's, That's what they're right. so ahead of it there. I hope so. Y'all, you, you let me know when we can talk again. Bless you, all right? Thank you, Shane. Right, thanks, man. See you. All right, guys. Raw Dog Claiborne. Oh, my man. <laughs> Love that dude. No, dude, that's He's a wild big man. time Southern draw. Oh, my gosh. Love that's that awesome. we, once again, had terrible connection and some dropped yeah. stuff on our side. Sorry about that. Well, you know, we didn't have to mention that. We could have just said Toby and Joey were so blown away. They yeah, they were just, just speechless. We were totally quiet. Yeah, That's what happened. Yeah, scratch that. <laughs> we were just, we, we were dumbfounded. Another great guest, though, man. So talkative and, and, and uh, just love what he had to say. And honestly, 
Matt, you made this point to him, and I do agree, man. He just says things in a way that I don't. So people probably really <laughs> like the way he's – even if he's saying something people tough, like him. they like him. And I say something – I might even say something similar, and they're like, man, shut well, up. I mean, that's what I, <laughs> Give me more that's what I wrestle with. I don't – I mean, I don't, I don't know why I w- wouldn't say things the way I would say them. I don't know if I should be like, more like some other person. So I guess that's why I keep saying this. I think everybody should – should do their, their thing and let, let that all represent different pieces of the puzzle I think yeah. Yeah. hopefully I'm not just defending me being a jerk but I don't think so I think yeah. our point of view people identify I don't know I mean, maybe we're I don't know maybe we should be more like him or nicer or something I, don't, I just don't think so but I like but, the way but, he is too I don't disrespect that so yeah. whatever we, we want to say we want to give our best to Shane Claiborne and your uh, great grandmother Liz <laughs> <laughs> oh, that that's a wrap. We don't have to do anything oh, yeah, else yeah. on this podcast. We are all No, we done. are yeah, definitely done. not done. Yeah, that was it. We right? are totally not done. <laughs> we're gonna keep the truth going. I want one. Joe, of your you stories, almost man. got it there. You almost got out. Almost I hit, the, almost hit the end music right there. That, you <laughs> almost, almost tricked Matt and ruined I, my I just, career. I had my finger on the button for that credits music. I thought, we I only thought have time for it. one story. No, this I, is my second. You I, can have it my next story's time. My story 30 seconds. It doesn't matter. 30 no, seconds. They'll be talking. Come on. He had a good oh, crack Lord. there. Give him 30 seconds. Why, why do we? All right. Why go why ahead. We, why, All right. No, no, no. You know what? Yeah, let me be the giver. All right. And Joey, I'll just remind you, you know how many thousands of dollars we pay per second in bandwidth charges. Anyway, go with your 30 seconds. All right. You don't get the song. No, I'm not playing the music, no. <laughs> All right, you so had to go I, from dry. This is peculiar from the standpoint of I want to give this new 23 story seconds. And then ask you guys. Danny Brown performed on 17 Saturday seconds. in Glasgow, Scotland. The show was cut short after someone in the crowd threw water at Brown, causing him to slam his mic down and walk off stage. Concert over. The okay. concert is going. Someone throws water, and he's like, "F this shit, I'm out of here." Yeah, make sure you, you think that's say a little excessive. The, the cuss yeah. word replacement for one of the cuss yeah, words. Yeah, you said a double cuss word, and you bleach self bleeped one. Cool. F that F and shit. F that S. <laughs> now, seriously, have you ever had some uh, like a crowd do something crazy? I mean, somebody throws water at you, and you just get uh, mad. I maybe. can only go yeah. one place with this, and 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 I'm not trying to. You've got two elements here that that really jog my memory to something poignant that I want to reference that we haven't talked about yet. And this is where I'm going to go with the story. Speaking of saying the F word. Speaking of from stage, in Australia two weeks ago, <laughs> we're playing at a club in Australia, and Toby, Toby literally says the F word from stage for the first time ever. We've been in a band for 10 years. Joey, you were there. We didn't even talk about it. T- Toby says get the F word. Get hands He says, up. get your fucking hands up. No, he said, clap your, clap your fucking hands. What was the heck, Toby? What was going on? I was in a bad spot, guys. It was it was a dark place for me. I didn't know what I was doing. It just wasn't. No, we play. Basically, the show ended up being a little strange because it was what we didn't realize was there was maybe a few Emory fans, but it was ended up being like a club where people come to dance and drink. And basically, we were just a band that they paid to get people there a little early. Yep. And so people, although they were into the show and it looked pretty full. For a show, I don't know if they totally ran it, and I was just a little frustrated by the situation, <laughs> ignorantly 
kind of just. If you were going to let the F word, I mean, it'd be one thing to go, are we having an effing great time? Or let's say right. F yeah, everybody. But you, yours was, it was mean, and it was to the fans, and you gave them a command, clap your fucking hands, and you were mad when you said it. See, I, I that's so it. weird because I, I didn't. Were you when you said that? Was that stemmed in anger? I, no, it I wasn't. Didn't, no, like, I it so. kind of came across as cool. I was yeah. like, all right, that works. I wasn't like super <laughs> mad, but I just it, it was more like I just didn't care about the right. moment. I was just kind of even being tripped to typically myself. Think through, you'd be like, yeah, I yeah. I wouldn't. That. I wouldn't normally say that. How many how many seconds or milliseconds did that precipitate in your brain before it came out of your mouth? Did you think it I, tw- ten there seconds was before one thought, I'm going to say this or I'm yeah, mad there was, there was, or what? There was one thought of, I'm just going to say this. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> it, it. So I would say one and a half seconds before I said it, one I just did. Seconds. I was like, this will either be funny or mean or it will make the guys on stage laugh, which will make me have a better time. It didn't make Or they'll look at me. So, me so Matt, that's a first. Uh, yeah, definitely. I've, I mean, we've cussed on stage uh, tons of times, but not. I don't. I, I'm po- I'm ninety nine percent positive. I've never said the f word from stage before. Right? Yeah, you're right. A- anyway, Joey, that's one hell of a news story, man. Thank you. Well, Can we get to the real news. Hey, I, I, here, we're running out of time. No, I just want to say this. 30 no, Matt's Matt's giving Matt, me shit about roll the news music, story. Matt. No, Matt's giving me shit about the news story. I purposely picked a quick news story so I wouldn't infringe on your territory. You guys said. You guys said, hey, here's a shit. Right, you Toby, take, you take one news story, and I'll say that I'm going to do a short one. In a world where, where if an animal it, looks it, at you, it, you kick it, but you question a guy that got hit by a water bottle. Water bottle. You don't even know your own story. You don't even know your own story. You can't even. You are no newsman, sir. Sir, you are not a newsman. I didn't know you were talking about the news story. You said kick my water bottle? I've had this one on the back burner for a little bit, and so this isn't necessarily news, but we're a little short on time, so I just thought I would go through these. I wish you'd put yourself on the back burner. Thank you, Joey. Thank you so much for all that you do for us. (laughs) Thank you, sir. You are wonderful. What else do you need me to say? Oh, are you heaping coals on my head? What, What else do you need me to say? This comes from distractify.com, I think. Uh, It says, mind-blowing. These 23 unbelievable facts will destroy your understanding of time. I thought these were just kind of interesting, so I might not say them all. You're going to go through 23? I might not. 30 seconds. You let me handle this. Can I I handle it? (laughs) See if I I can handle it. Uh, No, I'm just going to shoot through them real quick, because I I just think it's interesting to think about time this way, how we think things are long. Oh, man, that took forever. Or, man, that went by quick. So number one is, Cleopatra lived closer to the building of Pizza Hut than the pyramids. Dang. Isn't that crazy? Yep. Every two minutes, we take as many photos as all of humanity took during oh, yeah. the 1800s. Totally. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yep. Yeah, because they Absolutely. had that big old thing you had to get under and go. Yep. And Man, the mainly porn. Out. Keep going. Yep. Oxford University is older than the Aztecs. Teaching started at Oxford as early as 1096. Whoa. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. All right, here's another one. Will Smith is now older than Uncle Phil was at the beginning of the Fresh Prince. Is that not crazy? Yeah. He's the old, how, man, he's <laughs> yeah. probably in his 40s or something. How yeah. old is Will Smith, yeah. does it say? Uh, let's see here. It does say uh, Will Smith is slightly older than 45 right now. Wow. Dang. That's uh, crazy. Betty White is older than sliced bread. <laughs> <laughs> Otto Frederick Rowetter invented sliced bread in 1928, while Betty White was born in 1922. My grandma's older than sliced bread, too, then. That is so wild. Uh, the last time the Chicago Cubs won a World Series, women were not allowed to vote. 
Isn't that crazy? Okay, and here's the last one. If you're older, if you're over 45, so if you're Will Smith's age, the world population has doubled in your lifetime. Oh, that's yeah. Can you believe that, that billions of more people exist? So in 1968, the world population was 3.5 billion. Yikes. Today is 7.2 billion. Uh, so I mean, and, and Matt, I guess that's getting faster, right? Uh, so I mean, we're in yeah, trouble. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, the the big thing that that scares me about would just be like, I don't really think it's a matter of infrastructure and cities and stuff like that. I think that's all pretty good, and even resources. I kind of feel like that makes me think the Mother Nature component is the the wild card there, the disease one. You know, yeah, like that's well, the one I thing. feel like is. I know we can build more stuff, and I don't think you're really yeah. going to run out of water. I don't know. Who knows? I mean, it's, Matthew it's McConaughey is figuring it all out. He will the, get the it. Bio so yeah, that was the scary. damn news. Joey, tell tell the folks out there who brought the damn well, news the today. The BC Help Club bring it. folks brought the damn news. And, Ann, you send me these names if you're listening. This has got to be a joke because I can't pronounce one name. That's the on best here. part. That's the best this part. This is unbelievable. So I want to thank you, BC Clubs, but I don't thank you for your daggum last names. You, ex- except for Luke cable and the rest of them i don't know if i can even say Brittany mikolajewski mikolajewski <laughs> david vanderbush okay that was kind of easy yeah, that was real hard jacob flipponi jesse kikors jordan <laughs> K- K- these are people that support us Kimil, love us joshua Terratuta, <laughs> leroy arabilaga matthew niederlander michael Tibbs Herony. Tibbs Herony. <laughs> Is it his real last name? Yeah. Tibbs Herony. Tibbs How do you spell that? T I B S H E R A N Y. Tibbs Sharon. Peter Van Jick. How would you say D I J K? You would say Pizza Van Wick. How would you say it? Chick. Van Chick. Chick. C H I C K. And then Tyler Hoagland. Matt, let's get some applause for these people. Yep. They love us. They support us. They're part of what we're doing, and we thank you. Hey, you guys have yep. got an ebook that's coming out uh, Monday. It's actually free for everyone, but you guys, uh, you guys will get it first. So uh, we thank you for everything. And hey, yep. just a reminder: those of you that are in the fourteen and up club, you'll be getting what new release coming up soon. Toby. Well, Bannon, Kansas is coming up next. Yeah. 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 You get yeah. that and so, Emory. So good yeah, stuff. Yeah. Bannon, Kansas, Emory. Yeah. Uh, Dre is on yeah. Bad Christian now. So. Oh, there's one last story here, or one last point I thought was pretty cool. That for the, the time, amount of time that it takes a satellite to uh, go around the Earth mm-hmm. one time is the exact same time it takes a fly to orbit Joey. <laughs> or, Orbert? Norbert. Joey. Orbert, Orbert Norbert Joey. Joey. Can't even talk, dumbass.